welcome back to another episode of do theology reacts and today it will be uh, definitely more of a reaction and response than a full-on critique a lot of times these these episodes are critiques uh, but today we are i don't know taking a taking a gander at a couple guys who are definitely on our own team and saying okay what they, they've said some stuff here what do we think about what they've said as it pertains to the work of the holy spirit in the lives of believers and this is our first foray i think into the conversation about that concerning i don't know the holy the spirit work, yeah the work uh, of the spirit i mean definitely we haven't really gotten into charismatic stuff on any episodes yet no um, no now the only thing i think that we've done is uh just kind of made either comments in passing or jokes in passing or something of that nature so we need to get the, yeah. the remnant radio guys on and have a conversation with them that would be fun i th- yeah i think it would be fun i think that's the right word it yeah. would be fun well um these these two guys today that are on our own team that we're going to be talking about are uh, scott Anial in some very recent tweets that he has uh, put out about the holy spirit's work in the lives of christians and then a very old video from Todd Friel. <laughs> uh, floppy haired old video. <laughs> floppy haired brick building looking set Todd Friel. And but we'll uh, cover the Scott Anial stuff first. And so basically what's been going on is that Anial has been sharing some thoughts on the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and I think I don't know. I'm going to offer my view on it, and then you offer your view, just general view, before we look at these specifically. It seems like he's just wanting to combat the crazy stuff in the church regarding how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And in so doing, he may have overstated his case a tad, but the position he's coming from is the church has just gotten silly with a lot of stuff regarding the Holy Spirit. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I've not. So I've seen many tweets. In fact, there's going to be some tweets I think you're going to show me that I've not read yet. So uh, looking forward to that. But the, the ones that I have seen, um, yeah, I, I, I do believe it's coming from a place of desiring to be consistent on the sufficiency of scripture, a desire to be consistent on uh, the, the cessationist theology which we agree with. We agree with cessationism. Yep. We are both cessationists yep. ourselves. Um, but how far does that go mm-hmm. and where do we stop? And yeah. Well, and, and you know, as I preached through first Corinthians last mm-hmm. year and was going through that section 12 to 14, a lot about charismatic gifts in there, uh, the mm-hmm. charismata, the sign gifts. And my struggle, particularly with prophecy and how that relates to the Spirit's work in our lives today. And that's a very difficult conversation to have because as cessationists, we say up front, there is no modern day prophecy. God is not still giving revelation because every time he gives revelation, it's authoritative, it's scripture. He doesn't speak two different ways. He speaks one way that is clearly and authoritatively. And so if God is still doing that, that means scripture is still being written and we deny that. But, but I mean, the issue is, um, in what way does God guide us in our own personal contexts? Because Ken, I, I think we would both deny 
that God just gave us a Bible. And then now he's like taking the form of the deist's God where he's just hands off and he's not interacting with us or leading us or guiding us in any way. Right. We, we deny that. Correct. So then the question is, what's the difference between his leading and guiding today by his spirit and prophecy? If he, if he's doing anything in our hearts and minds to lead us in any direction, how does he do that apart from revelation? Right. How, how do we draw those lines? It's like, it's very tough. It's a tough conversation. It definitely is. And it gets, it can get hairy in, in, in a number of ways. And there are pitfalls, yeah. you know, that, that you can fall into and, and we're our desires to avoid the pitfalls while yes. holding true to what the scripture does teach us. Well, it's, it's in the middle of that tension between God's not giving revelation today, but he's still working in our lives today um, that this first tweet from Scott Antioch comes. And so uh, we're just going to jump right into it. You'll just see here. Um, you'll just see. Here we go. First tweet. Scott Aniel says, the Holy Spirit today does not work apart from his word ever. No still small voice, no mystical peace, no visions, no prompting. He works through his word. You want the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Read his word. Send tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is from February of this year, 2022. So first reactions to to this tweet, Kenny. Well, the first things that come to my mind is what, where, where does the uh, Spirit's work of imparting gifts to his people fit into this? Mm. Um if he does not work apart from his word, does that mean in order to receive a spiritual gift or to exercise your spiritual gift? Like, just how, how does that come into play? I suppose the answer to that question may depend on even how you view the spiritual gifts in general. Um, also, uh, the peace that passes understanding that we are promised when we yep. are you know, trusting in the Lord. Yes, that my mind went right to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing with all with thanksgiving and supplication. Make your request known to him and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, <laughs> which by definition means, I mean, that goes beyond anything we can grasp in the written word. I mean, it's beyond understanding. Yeah. Um, that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know if that's what he means by, I don't know what he could mean by mystical peace besides that. I, I think, I think he has talked about people who make this, when they make decisions, they say, God gave me a peace about this. And mm. he denies that he denies that that's a thing. Yeah. And there's, I, there may be some truth to reasons for why uh, having concerns with that kind of approach to decision-making. We make mm. decisions based on what we have peace about. Um yeah, that I can tell anecdotes within my own life about how that was fallacious. But uh, yeah, that, that so maybe he's trying to avoid that. Um, maybe his argument would be, you know, within the context of Philippians. Uh, you know, I, I preached that not long ago, and um, I'm just trying to call to my mind some of the details there, and I'm just going to pull that yeah. text up. Well, while you're doing that, I, I do want to mention, just in case some someone's wondering, who is Scott Anyall anyway? Because we didn't really say that. He is... Um, on staff for G3 Ministries. G3 has that huge national conference. Ken and I actually went to it last year and we uh, 
<laughs> recorded an interview with Scott Aniel at G3 uh, live last year. And so friend of the show, we can say um, definitely, you know, like we mentioned before, someone we would say, yeah, he's like on our team, not just Christian team, but even um, the way that we view lots of doctrine. We're very, very, very similar to Scott Aniel. It's just, he's been, he's been really hitting on this issue a lot on, on his Twitter this year. And there are a few statements we're just wanting to examine, but, but that's who Scott Aniel is. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of keep go, uh, interacting with this tweet a little bit, perhaps an argument might be made that, um, you know, as he says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but everything in prayer and supplication. So there's prayer that is going to the Lord, the peace which comes from the Lord. And then it goes on to say whatever is uh, true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, et cetera. Think on these things. Perhaps the argument is, yes, go to the Lord in prayer, but then you're spending time reflecting upon truth about God that's revealed in his word. And that's what actually is going to bring mm. you peace, which there's truth to that for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Who would deny that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's the text links the peace that comes to prayer. Mm. And mm. obviously there is a connection that ought to be made between the content of our prayers and the truthfulness of scripture. So it's not like, it's not like we need to be making such a stark distinction and separation between the peace and the word of God. And yet within the text itself, the word of God isn't directly linked to the peace yeah. that comes. So. Okay, that, that was tweet number one uh, of four. So here is tweet number two. This is from just this month, a couple weeks ago. We do not need supernatural experiences, the voice of God from heaven, a still small voice, promptings, impressions, or nudges from the Holy Spirit. We have something better than all of that, we have more sure the written word of God. Scripture is sufficient. And, and lately, that's really what he's been um, getting at is the sufficiency of Scripture. He's been tying this to the sufficiency itch issue where I don't know how much he was doing earlier this year with that. But certainly in the last couple of weeks, as he's been tweeting about it, um, it's been tied directly to Scripture is sufficient. And he kind of works from... Uh, big events down to tiny events in this tweet saying the big events like supernatural experiences and hearing God's voice from heaven. We don't need those. And we also don't need these smaller things of a still small voice, promptings, impressions, or nudges from the spirit. So um, your reaction to that, Ken? It's, it's easy to see what he's seeking to guard against. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of bad decision making that is made based off of well i just feel like the mm. spirit is leading me to do xyz mm -hmm. and that can be very dangerous kind of thinking and so oh, yeah. that that is unhealthy and so we want to recognize that and so uh, if that's what he's guarding against um yeah i i i get that i recognize that it's a major major problem you could say in especially american evangelicalism people Absolutely. say i feel this or feel that to justify anything Right. And then and then you are not uh, there's no argument that can be brought against, even if whatever is has been concluded is the most foolish or even sinful thing. Yeah. 
well, the Holy Spirit led me to do this, or God told me yep. to do this. So it's you have a bulletproof argument. Yes. And that's just not the way scripture directs us to make decisions. And that's not the way scripture directs us to receive wisdom from others. As anybody uh, that has interacted with a Mormon in evangelism knows, mm. that is like the trump card is, well, God gave me a feeling. God gave me a revelation. God told me, et cetera. Yeah. It makes it very, very difficult. Yeah. But to, I guess the the question becomes, how how far is this pendulum going to swing? Yeah. Does, does the, uh, you know, there's stories of things like, uh, you know, oh, you know, I just woke up in the middle of the night, I couldn't fall asleep and, mm -hmm. um, someone came to mind and ended up praying for that person. And then I found out the next day that at that exact moment, there was some crisis happening in their lives. Mm -hmm. Is that the Holy spirit? Is that the, the work of the Holy spirit? Is that God preserving his people and helping his people using the means of prayer to accomplish that, that he is, uh, the short answer to that question is there's really no way to know fully. Right. Right. But, um, uh, but yeah. I would say based on my searching of any else tweets for this episode, just to grab a few of them, I did see some things that would make me say, he would say that's not a possibility. Um, in one of his interactions, it was basically someone bringing up that point. And mm. he said, well, you know, big whoop non-believers have promptings, too, and sometimes their promptings turn out to be true, too, or turn out to be coincidental, and just kind of dismissed it that way. Hmm. And that's possible. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's so, yeah, uh, I don't know. But, but I mean, the assumption there, though, is that, well, God's not working in their lives, so that shows that God's not doing that in your life either. Well, God could be working in their lives, too, right? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, not, not that they're not that they have the Holy Spirit as believers do, not that they're regenerated, not that they have been sealed for the day of redemption like we have been. But my goodness, well, the Holy I'm, Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and God is involved in the lives of all people. He hardens unbelievers' hearts. He's that intimate with his sovereignty in their lives. He could be that intimate with his sovereignty in other ways too. Not long ago, I was uh, talking with a gentleman who was sharing that part of his testimony was. Uh, situations where, okay, as an unbeliever, um, there were things that would happen that to him were so undeniably an act of God and direction from God. And it was through that experience that led him to pursue knowing what God has said in his word. And then mm -hmm. he came to a firm understanding of the gospel. So God clearly used that to bring him to his word and to bring mm. him to an understanding of the truth of the gospel. And he embraced Jesus Christ and, and, uh, and he's a solid believer today with, uh, but it, God used that process. Right. Yes. And so to it, say it, that that is, it's impossible for that to be the work of the spirit. I don't know if I can get on board with that. Well, and I mean, let's face it. If you're calling yourself, especially if you're calling yourself a five point Calvinist, do you believe in coincidence? Right. All right. Next thing, next tweet. We got to keep moving. Scott Aniel, the next day after that last tweet, says, We quench the spirit when we look to any other source for guidance than the sufficient word. We quench the spirit when we look to any other source for guidance than the sufficient word. Now, this 
I mean, on the surface has a couple of issues with it that you think, you know, surely he thought of and understood like no way he would be saying no Christian should ever go to another Christian for counsel. Just read right. each individual Christian, read your Bible for yourself and come up with decisions on your own. I mean, he wouldn't say that. I know he wouldn't, but what do you or, think he's, yeah. what do you think he's getting at here? Especially the way he phrases it. We quench the spirit when we look to any other source for guidance in the sufficient word. What what's a good thing he could be getting at, and what's maybe a way that we might disagree with? You think here? Uh, this is this is one of the harder ones I think so far that we've looked at. Uh, perhaps uh, an issue of again, if we're seeking guidance in just our feelings and interpreting that as the work of the spirit. Mm-hmm. we ironically end up quenching the yeah. spirit. I yeah, think and, that's and legitimate. I think so too. And I, yeah, I think that's a, a, exactly what's happening in a lot of cases, right? If people are saying, are, are rejecting the idea, like, I mean, you can imagine a, a Christian rejecting the idea of looking at scripture to see what scripture says for biblical sexuality and she goes on to live with her boyfriend and have a sexually immoral relationship because she mm-hmm. felt that God, you know, would approve because she loves her boyfriend. Well, you're ironically quenching the spirit because you're rejecting what God has plainly said to us all that you are to be pure sexually. Okay. So that, to me, that's an example of what he could be talking about. That would be very legitimate. Yeah. As far as uh, something that we'd have issues with, you you kind of prefaced it with this way. Surely he's not referring to this is what man tweets can just get you. Yeah, they're so short and no context. Yeah, but he he did he only used like a third or a, a fifth maybe of his total word yeah. count or letter count. He could have <laughs> said more. But if if he's not referring to you know counsel from other believers, prayer. I mean, James talks about if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. I suppose the argument would be, well, how does that wisdom come? It comes through reading his word and God answers the prayer through his word. Um, I don't know if he's ruling those things out, if he's ruling out prayer, if he's ruling out counsel from other believers, uh, that's that would be problematic to be sure. Can you pray to God about <clears throat> your personal context your customized personal context and expect god through his spirit to guide and direct you in your personal context that the word doesn't speak to directly like choosing this house or that house when you're buying a house Yes. <laughs> oh, charismatic. We're done with this podcast. I'm divorcing you from the podcast. Wow. I didn't realize that you uh, hung out with Benny Hinn on the weekends. Yeah. They're calling it, me Benny Kin. It's, it's, uh, he can guide and direct through wisdom. Now, there's, <laughs> or maybe K- Kenny Hinn, B- Benny Kin or Kenny Hinn. Now I'm going to divorce you for the podcast for that. (laughs) (laughs) Off the rails. No, no, no. Um, Man. It's tough with even how you, how you would uh, ask the question, even how you answered. Okay. Can God direct in those 
in those life circumstances, like buying the house, mm-hmm. some people would approach a decision like that. And if there's two equal options on the table, seeking God's guidance for which one they should choose, believing that one is within the will of God and the other is not within the will of God. And you can go against God's will by which one you buy. Mm. And I don't approach decision-making yeah. that way. And I yeah, don't believe that's good. that that's the case. That's a so, good, uh, that's a good clarification. Yep. That's good. So it's not like the guidance is an issue of, oh no, I've, I've, I've picked the wrong house. Now I'm outside of God's will, but rather the guidance is Lord, give me wisdom that I may see things and maybe understand things that are difficult to grasp and understand when it comes to making a giant decision like buying a house. Yeah. Or, but, but it gets so much more complicated than just buying a house too. Right. Like, I mean, we could say they're both three bed, two bath houses. They're both uh, for $249,000. One is three blocks East of my church building. The other is three blocks West of my church building. Um, they were both built in the same year. I mean, it's just like, okay, yeah, what, what do you do? But then you get in situations where like someone's asking you for money and mm-hmm. there are legit pros and cons on both sides for stewardship and for love and for wisdom and for foolishness and for just everything. And you just legitimately feel like there has to be a right choice here, but I'm very confused. Um and we do cry out for God to guide us, don't we? I mean, if we don't, what, what are we doing? Uh, I mean, yeah. not, not that we do that to the exclusion of reading his word and asking God's people for counsel, but we we ask him to guide us in our personal context with that, don't we? I mean, and a lot of times those decisions have to be made in the moment. It's not like, yeah. oh, hold on, let me do my Bible study real quick. Like, right. And you just can't. And maybe you're relying upon wisdom stored up, you know, in your mind and in your heart, but there are times where you are forced to make a decision, Lord, Lord guide me. And kind of like, I mean, Nehemiah did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he prayed to the Lord. It was just, it's just a real short little verse as he's in the court of the King and the King is, is about, it asks him, Hey, you know, what's, what's the deal with your face? Why are you so sad in the text of Nehemiah? There's that one short little verse. So I prayed to my Lord and then I gave my answer. Mm. He asked God for guidance, help me speak, help me communicate, give me favor in the eyes of the Mm -hmm. king. And God answered that prayer. That's good. That's good. All right. One more. This is from a a section of a thread. So this is where Scott Antial was using lots of words. Okay. And um, he's talking about the topic of illumination, because I imagine some people who are listening, who are familiar with Christian doctrine might say, well, what about how the Holy Spirit teaches us spiritual things as we read scripture, because that's what 1 Corinthians 2 says the Holy Spirit does. He he reveals to us spiritual things. And so how do we make sense of that when it comes to the doctrine of illumination and uh, how the Holy Spirit interacts with us with the Word of God? And so this is a section from a longer thread on that. Scott Aniel says, Because an illumined believer recognizes the truthfulness and beauty of the word, he also recognizes how important it is that he intentionally apply the word to his life. However, the specific ways in which we ought to apply God's word to our lives are not going to be somehow revealed to us through direct revelation, a still small voice, or some improper understanding of illumination. We have already been illumined 
and that illumination is ongoing, we must now work hard to discern ways in which our lives need to change as a result of God's sufficient word. As Paul prayed in Colossians 1.9, we ought to pray for, quote, spiritual wisdom and understanding. That is, the God-given ability to rightly apply God's word to our lives, and he will give us that wisdom. But spiritual wisdom means that we will be able to rightly apply the word. It does not mean that the Spirit is going to apply it for us. The Spirit gives us wisdom. He does not give us new revelation. Oops, sorry, made the image small there for a moment. Um, this one's tough because I I do feel like he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit. A little bit. But at the same time, I don't really know how you can explain illumination without speaking out of both sides of your mouth. <laughs> it's a difficult doctrine. And as he's pointed out in other tweets, um, this isn't a doctrine that's given to us in in Scripture with that word. Like we don't right. have a Bible verse that says the Holy Spirit illumines us. And that means this, it just doesn't exist. So how do you synthesize these realities here that Annie all is trying to, to synthesize and articulate? Man, on the one hand, it's, Oh man, this is, this is tough because there's, there's almost maybe some hair splitting. So talking out two sides of his mouth, um, if the spirit is giving the wisdom, how is that not the guidance yeah. that we need? But he would say, if he's giving you the guidance, how is that not revelation? And that's, I think, where it gets really tricky. It does get tricky. And I, re I recall as you were preaching through First Corinthians, that issue of what constitutes revelation yes. was a huge sticking point just between you and me and our yep. conversations together. Yes. <laughs> and that's part of that is because, and, and if I'm recalling some of our conversation, part of that is because the word revelation has such a technical meaning theologically. Yes. That we think of it as the scriptures is something that ought to be written down and, and preserved in that way because God revealed it. Uh -huh. Whereas perhaps, and uh, you can correct me on some of this if, if I'm remembering incorrectly, but the issue of revelation, God can reveal something to us, lowercase r, without it being capital R revelation, not in the sense that there's like, you know, words specifically coming into our, our heads. Mm -hmm. But I do think that as we're studying God's word and there's areas of our life where we're out of step with scripture, yeah. we don't even know it. Yep. These are, you know, the psalmist prayed, Lord, cleanse me from secret faults or things, you know, things mm -hmm. that I don't even know that are wrong in my life. Well, as I'm reading God's word and all of a sudden it comes into my head, oh man, this area of my life is out of step with what that says right there. Mm -hmm. How is that not some kind of revelation without it being capital R revelation? It's been revealed. Yeah. It's something I didn't know before, and now I know it. He's he's connecting dots for you and presenting it for you. Like, this passage has bearing on this part of your life. Right? That's, been, that's illumined. Yeah. It's revealed, right? Or and he, and he should get the credit language? for that. God should get the credit for that. Yes. 
I because what I am afraid of it this is what Scott Aniel sounds like to me in these tweets, and I don't want to go here, is that it's just up to us yeah. now that God gave us his word, and now it's up to you to figure out not only how to apply positively, but how to change um, how, how the word might be saying something negative about your personal circumstances. That is totally on you. I don't want to go there. I, I don't think that's scriptural at all. I think God is so involved in our lives. He's still imminent. He's still the imminent Lord who is with us, and he guides us into all truth. I mean, for crying out loud, he comforts us in our hearts. His name is the Comforter, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And he convicts us of sin. How does he convict us of sin? Other than he's connecting dots for us and re- revealing it in some sense. Now, now the problem that we have, though, is that when God speaks, God speaks one way, right? God doesn't speak authoritatively in one sense and then non-authoritatively in another sense. That doesn't happen. Anytime God speaks, it's authoritative and it's clear. That's how God speaks to us. Um, in our our regular episodes, the intro that we have, we have that clip of Sam Storms mm-hmm. when he says, not every act of divine revelation is equal in authority. That's what the charismatic has to say. Right. Someone who believes in continuing revelation has to say that if that person wants to protect the authority of the word of God, because they'll end up saying, well, the Bible is its own class of revelation. And then we're still getting revelation directly from God. God's still speaking to us, but it's not as authoritative as scripture. And I just, that's a totally made up category that I I can't go there either. Right. And so I I agree. I feel caught in between a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, because what it almost seems like, you know, with some of the previous tweets that we've looked at, um, where uh, Aniel is so emphasizing the role of the word of God and the spirit working through his word. But then we come to this thread and he's like, oh, he's not even involved in that either. Yeah. <laughs> what? Which again, he's the okay, The spirit's giving us wisdom. Well, how is the spirit giving us wisdom? Is he, is, was he giving that wisdom only through his word or is that something separate? It raises mm-hmm. a lot of questions with, with things and, I don't well, know. There's, there may not be clean answers to some of these things. What can all Christian theology can be figured out down to a T with a perfect answer. You yeah. just, you have well, this is, faith. you know, you mentioned, uh, okay, is, is it all, it's just all on us now, you know, is, is uh, that yeah. the, the potential reality of where this goes? And we have within the book of Philippians that back-to-back verses about how we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's us studying the text. That's us wrestling with it. That's us seeking, okay, where are the areas of my life and trying to trying to connect dots? That's us doing the work. The very next verse, because it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good yes. pleasure. Like those things are right there hand in hand as you're yep. wrestling with the text and going through it and connecting the dots. The spirit of god is working in and through that process to accomplish his purposes it's almost like it's a both and not an either or Ooh, little preview of the upcoming daryl bach interview part two uh anyway someone who might be able to clear this up for us is todd friel todd friel a la 2009 or whatever this was originally recorded um are you okay with me uh just just driving here on this yeah, and, and sure. pausing where I think it should be paused and absolutely. All right. 
let me uh let's see how what's the best way to do that do this okay yeah this is right all right it, one thing that i just want to mention real quick on yeah. uh annual um we love annual we yep. we, we appreciate him his, his ministry uh he was on our show he, he's got a we, we talked to him we sat down with him at g3 um last year that was so yeah it's not like we have animosity towards scott we're just interacting with some of the ideas i explained all that when you were looking for that philippians passage earlier her, your oh notes. yeah but yes it's worth saying again Someone we weren't able to connect with the G3 in a, while we were in Atlanta is Todd Friel. We, we thought about that. Remember, we thought about just like rolling up to wherever they record and just seeing if we could say <laughs> hi. <laughs> we ended up getting busy and had a baseball game to go to and stuff. But As we react to things, I just want to react to this <laughs> clock that's on the wall that is uh-huh. not in the correct orientation. Oh, that's Todd Friel's style, man. <laughs> you know? I like, uh, you know, this. it's funny how suits and stuff change. It's like a baggy suit. This might have been like 2005. I don't know. Yeah. But old school wretched, that's for sure. And uh, the topic here is, does the Holy Spirit lay things on our heart or direct our thoughts in any way today? Mm, mm. So definitely a related conversation. And I'll, like I said, I'll let it play and I'll pause where I think we might need to make some comments. Are there ever any times when God somehow supernaturally causes me to think this way when I wanted to think that way? And the answer is, I think so. For instance, God bends the king's heart like a river. In other words, the king might be inclined to be doing this, and God says, no, 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 I need you to be doing that. And supernaturally, he causes the king to do that. And I think there are times very rare times when God does that even to us today. Now here, of course, then is the question, when exactly does he do that? All right. Well, stop right there for a moment. Um, It's hard to find a good place to pause when Todd Friel's talking because he just moves from one sentence to the next pretty quickly. True. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention, you know, he made sure to put the disclaimer that it's very rare and a lot of people in our camp, the more cessationist camp, really like like to say rare. If they're going to say that God is doing anything that's interactive in our lives, in our own personal context, they always want to make sure to say it's very, very rare. Um, even in, again, those annual tweets I was looking through, he made sure to say that God is still doing things, but it's extraordinary, extraordinary that there are ordinary means and that's what happens 99.9999999% of your life and it's very very rare and always uncertain if god is ever doing anything personally in your life in your in your customized context to guide you and direct you that's basically the the vibe and and any also um taught in one of the tweets this idea that i think was first started by bb warfield but i'm not 100% sure that there were basically just three waves of God's intense personal interaction through um, revelation and miraculous signs and wonders in history, that it was uh, Moses, his time, and then Elijah and Elisha, and then the early church. And I've never really bought into that. I think that's a that's pretty messed up three categories that uh, just the Bible doesn't give us, and it's really hard to, to defend that. But 
anyway, I wanted to say all those things. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I mean, there, as far as like concentrated times, if you just, uh, by way of observation, go through scripture, it's an observation. What is an observation? That in terms of like the miraculous activity, that it was concentrated in those three eras. Well, we have more written down about those eras than other eras. That's a, I mean, we have, I shouldn't say more, but we have a lot written down about those eras. But just the fact that there was prophecy going on in between those eras shows that God was still revealing, right? And and we have within those prophecies in between eras, I mean, there's still accounts of God doing miraculous, awesome things. Uh, Like right now, I'm preaching through Joshua and Moses has died. He's gone on and God's making the sun stand still and he's parting the Jordan river and all kinds of stuff's going on. So it's like, where, well, so do you say that, that that's still Moses's uh, Shekinah that's rubbed off onto Joshua for a little bit and then it fades away. I mean, I don't really know what you would have to say about that, but yeah, I won't, I won't belabor the point. The life of David, the Holy spirit was coming and going, doing all sorts of works. Um, Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I just think it's a it's a silly thing to do, and I think it's also silly to make sure we say it's very, very, very rare. I'm going to say this, but don't think that I'm a charismatic. I'm just going to say this never, ever really happens, but I'll admit that it kind of happens. I, I don't know. I just think it's a silly tendency that we we can have. I think the Holy Spirit does lead us, but there is no way to perceive that that's happening. Right? Yeah. I don't have a red light that goes on in my head and goes in around and around and around when the Holy Spirit's leading. I don't know when the so, Holy Spirit's leading. Real quick. I don't know when I'm just... Based on what we just saw from Aniel, Aniel would disagree with that statement right there, right? I don't know. Or- also surprised J-Mac is in this. It's been a while since I watched this. I forgot <laughs> J-Mac was in it. Um, but I don't know. What, 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 did, what do you remember Aniel saying? The, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead or guide us. Oh, apart from his word. Oh, and John yeah. MacArthur just said the Holy Spirit yeah. does do that. I just don't know when it is. Yeah, potentially. I think any if he knew that it was MacArthur who said it, then maybe he would not disagree. But I don't know. Carry on. OK, I'm going to back it up just a little bit. Around and around when the Holy Spirit's leading. I don't know when the Holy Spirit's leading. I don't know when I'm just following my impulses or my desires or whatever. I, I have no mechanism to know that. But in retrospect, I see that, and I categorize that in the providences of God. Right. Dr. John MacArthur, using the lingo of the day, sometimes the Holy Spirit leads. I want to go like this, but he makes me go, I can't imagine why, but he makes me do something that I really wasn't planning on doing it. But when does he do that? And the answer is, don't know. So uh, basically, I guess that argument summed up is, or not argument, but b- belief or view is that God does personally guide us. There's just no way to know when it's happening. That if you well, were to put even, it all in one short sentence, that would be it. it. It's even, it's almost even a little bit stronger than just guiding though. there though, right? He's saying God, God is making you think differently than like he's he is completely changing your thoughts yeah and your and your and your actions on that to where you are you you wanted to do this and god said nope you're doing this instead god giving you certain desires and impulses that you didn't conjure on your own yeah 
but you just have no idea when that's happening, except in retrospect. I guess MacArthur did leave mm-hmm. for that. You look back and you give credit to God. Yeah. Okay. I need to let this play longer. This is going to be a nightmare for you to edit if I keep stopping it so much. <laughs> That would be one reason why we want to be very, very slow to say the Lord is leading me in evangelical terms, because I don't think that's Romans 8.14 definition of led, but in evangelical terms, we just don't know. Now, I know exactly what you're thinking. Hey, what about those times when I was thinking something and then this thing happened and look how the two went together? For instance, you know, it was the craziest thing. On Tuesday night, I just felt so led to pray for you. And then it turns out, ha, your kidneys exploded and you went to the hospital. And there I just felt so led to pray for you. Look at what God just did. Did God just do that? And the answer to the question is, I don't know. I mean, I I just, I don't know. And perhaps you're saying, hey, you can know. I mean, why would the two things happen like that? That's a pretty fair question. Why would God have me feeling this way or allow me to feel this way when this thing is going on at the exact same time if he wasn't trying to get me to pray because that's what was needed at the time. And the answer to that question is I have no idea. But let me ask you this. First of all, what Bible support do you have for that? If you have any at all, it's it's something that would be such an exception to the rule of life and scripture. And second of all, might I suggest, um, don't pagans do that? I mean, really, don't, don't they sometimes do that? Have you never heard a pagan say, well, that's the craziest thing. I was just walking by your house, and normally I would just walk right by it, but for some reason I just, I felt like I should go to the doorbell, and what do you know, there was a criminal in there breaking into your house. Did the spirit lead them? Well, no, the spirit doesn't indwell them. So those things that are kind of circumstantial, coincidental, happen to the pagans too. So what if... It's not the Holy Spirit causing you to pray on Tuesday night when your best friend's kidneys are exploding. Does that ever happen, by the way? At any rate, what, what is that? Well, I would put it underneath the umbrella of providence, that both things happen to be going on. You, you just happen to have a sense that you needed to be praying while this was happening. And in God's providential outworking, the two happened to go together. But was he causing this to go with that? Most likely not. And even if he did, the reality is we just don't know for sure. Now, sometimes time will reveal it. Time will show me, hey, this actually went with that. But what causes it? Is it providence? Is it being led? Is it pepperoni pizza? It's just a streamer thought that goes through your brain. Let me ask you, how many times have you had streamer thoughts? You know, the craziest thing, I just felt so led to pray for you on Wednesday. Huh, Wednesday, let me see, Wednesday. Huh, no, everything was good on Wednesday. Huh, well, I just felt so led to pray for you. No, it's all good, but hey, thanks anyway. And there was nothing there. What do you do with that? You had that feeling, should I say God led you, but it wasn't needed? No. I don't know where the feeling comes from. I don't know where the emotion comes from. Let's summarize it this way. Does God normally lead you to be thinking and praying, moving, calling, ringing the doorbell? Answer, no, not normally. Can he do that? Yes, I believe as an exception. It is certainly not the rule. It is an exception. And most times we don't know when and we don't know if it is God doing it or if it is simply just my feelings, nothing more than 
feelings. Oh, that was a lot to say nothing. <laughs> Which maybe that's what this episode is. I don't know. Um, I have several thoughts. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go th- first? I assume you have several thoughts too. I do. You you go ahead. I've been, I've been talking first on a lot of the tweets. Okay. All right. Um, so he, he, he went down the kind of the same road we've traversed already with the, you're thinking about somebody in the middle of the night and that person was in a circumstance where, yeah, that person had a prayer request. You didn't even know it, but their kidneys exploded. The kidneys exploded, but, uh, you were awake and alert and thinking of that person. And so you prayed and then you look back and you say, that was God, but he says, not so fast, not so fast. You can't know if that was God. And this kind of gets into what I mentioned briefly before that. Do we believe in coincidence at all? Um, cause, cause he contrasted that with, you've got the unbeliever who came by your house at the right time and helped stop the criminal or something. Um, and that obviously wasn't of God because that person's not a Christian. I hate that argument. It's I think a it's, bad argument. That's a very, very bad argument. Oh my. Um, wow. God, God couldn't lead or direct the, this person to do anything because this person's not a Christian, but he opened up in the video about the King's heart is in the hand of yeah. the Lord and the King Kings are rarely Christian. Right. And so, the the, the the thought the the thought that came to my mind was King Cyrus. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> if if that wasn't God putting it within Cyrus's heart to issue the edict. I mean, how how can we how can we say that God isn't active there? Obviously, that He's yeah. not a believer, and He is not an individual who has the uh, the Spirit of God in the same sense that we do. Mm-hmm. But to say that God isn't active in and and okay now now Friel just chalks it all up to well that's just providence yeah well yeah well hold on before we get into that because that is we definitely need to address that um, before you he got into that providence thing when he was using the example of the pagan neighbor mm-hmm. stopping by mm-hmm. your house the natural conclusion of that if you were to stop right there the natural conclusion is I, I don't I, I can't properly thank God that this happened because God wasn't involved. This was mere coincidence that happened in the flesh. This was not God's doing. This was my pagan neighbor's doing. So all the only person I can think is my pagan neighbor. I can't thank the triune God of the universe because he wasn't involved. That's, that's the logical application of that. I, and I've talked to people before who are very sensitive about God's sovereignty and how far that extends. If you get into just a, if, if you barely miss a car accident, where it was almost a head-on collision or whatever, and you thank God afterwards, think about what you're thanking God for. You're thanking God that your foot in the gas pedal were doing something (laughs) that that made it miss. You're you're thanking God that in that other person's car, that that person pulled the steering wheel at the right time. I mean, you're thanking God for so many intimate details that we say, well, God's not involved about what socks we pick out for the day or whatever. Well, in that moment, yes, you are. You're thanking God that that person took a half second longer to do something earlier that morning or whatever. I mean, he is so involved, so sovereign that we have to admit, confess gladly 
that yeah. this is his doing. And then I think the scriptures would lead us to do that. Yep. Now the pushback now, just to, if, uh, if I'm going to try to defend Friel for a moment, Friel, even in the video would say, well, of course you would thank God because of his providence. Yeah, right. It wasn't the special working of the spirit of God. It was just God's providence. And, and I'm glad that he said that too. Cause yeah, if he would have stopped before that, I would have been really disappointed. And that would have been the end of my critique. Like, dude, what are you talking about? But, but he did go on farther. What, what did you think about his contrast of providence with spirit led living? Because because that's it's a contrast. He was setting it, it up as a contrast. Absolutely, and and, and he makes a a distinction there. And there there is there is an aspect where you I totally see his point as far as there's just no way to know, you know what is what is actually occurring in the moment. But he, I I kind of thought he self contradicted himself because on the one hand he's saying, well, you know it's just pepperoni pizza. But then on the other hand, he's saying, well, we know it when we're looking backwards and we can see the providence of God. It's just like, well, which is it? Like yeah. either either it's impossible to know or time will reveal it. Right. Yeah, that's what he said, is that time reveals that stuff. But what is it revealing? Right. I mean, is the, I mean it's revealing in this, the positive sense for this question. It's revealing that God was personally at work in your life. And how do you know or how does time reveal that? I guess you would say if it was a positive spiritual outcome, if it wasn't sin, then we credited it all to God. But if there was sin mixed in, if it proved to be foolish, then we know that it wasn't God, I guess. I guess. I mean, because then we, well, it, you uh, you go through the steps and I, I I get where he's coming from and trying to make a distinction between the direct work of the spirit versus the providence of God in overseeing things where God can providentially work through even the sinful things. And we learn from that and we grow through those experiences where, man, I really messed up. I did something I really should have done. I, 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 this was a sinful thing that I've done and it brought about all these negative circumstances into my life. And now years later, I am reaping spiritual fruit from lessons that I learned in that sin. Mm -hmm. And we look at that and say, I'm, that's God's providence within my life that he has brought me and taught me through this. But God, his spirit wasn't leading me to do the sin. Mm -hmm. So there, 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 there has to be some kind of distinction, but in terms of non-sinful things, where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And with, I mean, to think of sinful actions among unbelievers I mean, right, I'm getting ready to preach on Joshua 11. It says that God, Yahweh, hardened their hearts so that they would be utterly destroyed and with no mercy to fulfill the commandment given to Moses. That's pretty intimate involvement in the life of an unbeliever to cause them to act unrighteously and be destroyed. It's mm. a pretty big deal. I, and, and I think practically at the end of the day, there is no distinction between providence and god leading you as you're living um i just think practically it's just so the same <laughs> i mean well practically how, how you talk about it though is different if you are if on the front end you're identifying something as oh this is god leading me into this 
Well, this is where we run into the infallibility issues of, well, then it has to be right and you can't uh-huh. question me on it versus recognizing God's providence on the back end. There's a, there, there can be a practical difference between the two. Yeah, it just sounds to me like, and if you're not careful, providence is, well, God is unable to, or unwilling, I guess is the term that would be used instead. God is unwilling to personally guide and direct. And so what he's doing then is working with what we give him to arrange it to meet his desired ends. Mm. We provide the means and he makes the ends happen, which is kind of like an Arminian compatibilist view of sovereignty and free will, which I think, you know, these two guys that we've been talking about, Annie All and Freel, I don't think they would say that that's what's going on in the world. So I, right. I, I don't know. I, I just think it, we're just so scared to say that God's spirit is working in our lives. <laughs> and then we get ourselves in these word salad problems is basically what's going on. It, 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 proves, it proves to be a challenge for sure. Is there a way that you would want to summarize this in your own words about how you believe God's spirit works in our lives? Because here we are just reacting and responding with some shortcomings in their explanations. Do we want to positively offer something that someone else can, (laughs) can critique? I would have to, my, uh, when presented with those kinds of opportunities, I like to sit down and write like really well-crafted things and, did not come prepared for that assignment today. Guess we'll put uh, it in the old episode idea folder, huh? Yeah. Leave us your comments with how you believe the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and maybe your definition will be borrowed on an episode of Do Theology. <laughs> <laughs> it does show us, though, the need for, for, for clarity and the need for, um, I don't know, the need for perhaps better discussions on some of these things. Yeah. So. And and I think stop being so stinking scared of God being involved. I think, man, we, we just so, I don't know. And maybe it's because we, we're in touch with our sin and we don't want to ever associate God with our sinful choices or foolish choices, which is a, a great sentiment. But at the same time, we don't want to deny God's presence in our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. He dwells within and he's at work. That means something very significant. And so um, we would do well yeah, to think deeply and craft a statement on that. So. Okay. Well, that was fun for me yeah. at least. Thanks for <laughs> coming along for the ride, Ken, and everyone who's listening. Very good. Next time it'll be a real episode, I think. So see you then. <laughs>